0: this time on the Dubcast, I am Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. And we got, you know, Johnny, a basketball team that plays basketball and shoots those hoops and all that kind of stuff. And they're going to play against other teams that like to do the same thing, and they have to go all the way out west to do that for some reason.
1: And, um, you know, I,
0: I'm i not feeling great. I mean, uh, you know. Guess what a plane ticket
1: to Portland costs right
0: now. Um, I'm going to guess about
1: $1,200. Ooh, close. It is about 1450 my friend. Uh, wow. Fly out from Columbus, Ohio to Portland, Oregon, so we're real excited about paying uh, <laughs> for that, which, look, we would be excited if the team, you know, maybe garnered or deserved excitement, but it doesn't really at this point in time. <laughs> so, I will say this. I, I like Shaka Smart a lot, and I really like VCU and the teams that he has. I think they're just so fun to watch and really cool. Mm-hmm. So, like, I actually don't mind the matchup. I'm just mad because I think we're probably going to lose. That's basically it.
0: Well, it's weird because Nate Silver's website there, uh, 538, they yeah. uh, they say we actually have about a 60% chance of winning that game, and then the, the percentages just take an absolute nosedive from that right. point out. I think it's uh, – Something like seven percent or five percent to get by Arizona, and then from then it goes like three percent, one percent, less than one percent. <laughs> yeah,
1: I saw that too. I think that's a really cool thing, and I think that's how I'm going to base my bracket on. I'm just going to go either straight chalk, or I'm just going to use the stats and see what happens. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm not super confident in this game just because they've played so poorly uh, against teams that have really you know tried against them. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, the the Havoc defense and everybody being crazy, I feel like that could just give Ohio State fits. I will say, though, that, um, you know, their offense isn't maybe stellar, so maybe that's where there's an opportunity. I mean, Ohio State's defense is still okay, as long as you don't have to worry about playing a giant big man or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i I'm kind of I'm, – I'm pretty ambivalent about this. I'm, I'm not as hype as I normally am, which is a little sad. Like, I, I want March Madness to be – truly, you know, insanity filled and, and crazy and whatnot. And it, it's more fun when your team kind of feels like it's it has a chance to do something interesting. And Yeah, like when end, you're
0: expecting yeah, like when you're expecting to get to like you got a great shot to get to an elite eight yeah. and then who knows what could happen from there. You know, that kind of that kind of scenario.
1: Yeah. I mean you even I mean honestly like it, it's kind of cool let's say your team's like a really low seed. Let's say you're a thirteen or twelve or something then Mm -hmm. you feel like, well, if we win one, that's pretty hilarious, right? Like, that's pretty cool, and let's do that. So that is a cool scenario because then you're just like, hey, man, like, we're just here to enjoy ourselves. But when you're high State, you generally have higher expectations. You want to get to the Sweet 16, right? You want to get to the Elite Eight. And even though that's kind of a crazy expectation every year, and and really, you know, Thad Mata has, has spoiled us in that regard, You know, it's just kind of a letdown when you don't think that's really possible. So, I mean, you're right, the the bracket that they're in, and we can talk about the bracket overall, but Arizona is a huge obstacle to get beyond where they want to be. I mean, yeah, they get past VCU, but unless something really crazy happens, that's probably where it's going to end, even if they get past VCU.
0: Yeah, it's a brutal, brutal bracket. I mean, I don't think that there's any such thing as a non-brutal bracket for Ohio State this year, uh, quite honestly, but... A 10 seed, man, coming in, I mean, you you don't think of a power conference team as being a seed that low, but it's starting to happen more and more now, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, I'm kind of thinking that if, you know, if they win one game, they've kind of done their job, but you're right, Thad's kind of got us thinking Sweet 16 at minimum is a good season, right? Right. You know? And but then you sit back and you think, look at how many times that like Duke has lost in the first weekend and, and teams like that. Yeah, and that's it, true.
2: It's,
0: it's so hard to get through because you know, one guy has an unbelievable game and shoots just out of his mind and it could change a whole game. I mean it could change everything. 'Cause you you come in, you game plan, you think, Well, okay, well, we're gonna set up our defense this way and we're gonna or this is how we're gonna try to take this away and that away, and then all of a sudden some guy that, you know, maybe plays 27 minutes a game and is like kind of a role player goes off for 30 points on you and can't miss and it's it can it can be the great equalizer it's kind of like the same thing as as riding a hot goalkeeper in uh in the nhl playoffs right i mean you can have a you can have a much inferior team but if your goalie stands on his head you can go pretty deep so I, i think this team we've seen what it is we've seen that they're only going to go as far as D'Angelo Russell can take them.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying, uh, right? Like, I want to. And if have he gets different.
0: shut down, then it's then it's going to be you know a quick exit. But if he right. if he ends up you know shaking loose and getting his points and getting other people involved, you know this team is capable of making a run. It's just you know it's not likely. <laughs>
1: I think. Well, I just think, like I said, I think he needs to have like a Steph Curry kind of performance. Like he's got to put the team on his back. I don't. I don't foresee. I honestly like I don't want him to get anybody else involved. <laughs> like I honestly got like he's got to get 40 points a game honestly for this team just to get past Arizona first of all. Like that's going to be ridiculous. I mean they're they're an excellent team and yeah, I it's it's going to take something really superhuman. But I will say this. I think I'm going to enjoy the tournament overall. Because there's a team that everybody wants to see lose, right? Like, and to be fair, like I'm not really hating on Calipari. I mean, he definitely works within the confines of the rules that he's given. I'm not, I'm not gonna hate on him for does he? Yeah, I'm not gonna, (laughs) I'm not gonna, you know, hate on him for exploiting what the NCAA has been giving him. So whatever, like, good for him. But that's definitely a team that everybody is looking to see if they're gonna fall, you know, before you get to the Final Four. So I think that'd be kind of cool to watch and and see what kind of games teams give them then Wisconsin, like, I think Wisconsin's a really interesting team to watch, just because of their makeup, and, like, they're they're just such an anti-Kentucky, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's so weird. So I I think there are a lot of really cool teams, especially the higher seeds. I think they've got a lot of neat contrast between them, so I think it's going to be a fun tournament, and I don't, I don't know, I don't think there's going to be a ton of upsets. There are some teams that are a little bit of sleepers, you know, like people talking like Wyoming and Gonzaga and stuff like that, but, like... Yeah, I don't know. I have you filled out a bracket
0: yet? You know, I haven't, and I haven't in a few years, and it's been kind of relaxing during the tournament so time. So you have to kind be, of, like stressing
1: out and like man. Yeah, I've
0: kind fight. of adopted. Yeah, I've kind of adopted the same philosophy that I have towards fantasy football. It's like I'm less aggravated if I don't do it. So why why would I do it? <laughs> um, because even if you have a, you know if you have a great you know a great tournament as far as your brackets concerned, okay. I, you get to brag, maybe you win a little bit of money, uh, but, you know, nine times out of ten, something stupid happens the first weekend, screws you up, and you're aggravated for, like, th- three weeks. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not putting myself through it anymore. I've just decided, between that and fantasy football, I used to watch games that I had no interest in just right. to watch, like, my my tight end or my, you know, third receiver or some darn thing, or my kicker, say, so oh, just stop him at the three, let him get three points, <laughs> and, you know, it it just was driving me up the wall. So, um, I've learned to to you know trim a little stress out of my life that way. So I I don't do it. So I, but I you know I know a lot. It's a big pastime for a lot of people, and a lot of people will spend a lot of time on it. And I know people that do like ten brackets. That, they do every one crazy. of them different.
1: Like I enjoy brackets because I first of all I don't really expect to do well I them. I kind of think it's funny to see people crash and burn, including myself. Like, it's just funny to me, especially last year. Last year was great, and the year before that was pretty great, too, because there were so many upsets. And, like, I think last year three out of the four, five, 12 matchups went for the 12, which is just – like, you always pencil on a couple, right, because it always happens. But, yeah. like, for three of the four to, to work out was really funny to me. Um, And just to watch people just go – just lose their minds over these, like, incredibly – you know, ridiculous, I don't know whether it would be like flighty or just what's the word I'm looking for? Where where everything's just really just could go either way. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's when I think March Madness is the most entertaining and that's why I like kind of attaching the bracket to it because it, it shows you the true like man, I'm really I'm I'm hurting on vocabulary words today, Michael. Uh, <laughs> it shows you that's the okay. randomness of the internet, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, of the
1: Internet, of the universe. I can't even talk.
0: The universe. Well, the Internet's I'm part so of the I'm so tired. Right. That's all right. Uh, so here's the thing. Like, what I like to see in the tournament, other than Ohio State doing well, is I like to root for that crazy out-of-nowhere team like Florida Gulf Coast, uh, those types of teams. Sure. And do you see anybody this year shaping up as maybe the Florida Gulf Coast of 2015? I mean,
1: so like I said, some people are saying, like, Wyoming. Like, I think that would be hilarious, like, if Wyoming just came out of nowhere. By the way, the smallest schools are always, like, the most corrupt. So I think that would be kind of cool, of like, Wyoming <laughs> like just sports a bunch of, like, you know, 48-year-old Russian dudes who are just roided out of their mind, and they just, like, beat the crap out of everybody, you know, on the court and stuff. I think that would be kind of sweet. Um, and, I, you know, I just like the idea of, of smaller schools having success. So I, I don't know. Wyoming would be my pick, but basically any school that you've never heard of, you know what I mean? Like yeah. anytime there's a school that like defies all logic that even exists, like you look up the, you know, you look up the background of these schools and they were founded by like a monk in 1984 who just happened upon a stash of like money in a briefcase somewhere in a trash can. And then people started to go <laughs> cause it was like a correspondence course and, you know, culinary school or some crap. And then they came up with a basketball team. Like, those are the kind of teams that I want to see win, just because it's like the it's American Dream, man. It's basically Rocky, except instead of a you know a weird looking Italian guy, it's it's just a bunch of crazy people who got there by stealing money. I just think that's sweet.
0: <laughs> now, a lot of people from Ohio, if Ohio State doesn't go anywhere, they like to root for like a secondary Ohio school. Are you one of those guys? No, I'm
1: not because I don't want any other Ohio college to have any success ever. And and, and look, especially coming up, you know, growing up where I'm from. Southwestern Ohio, that's where most of the annoying fans are from who are, like, anti-Ohio State. So, you I'm I'm from Middletown, right? So, I'm halfway Mm -hmm. between Dayton with the UD fans who think they're just, we're so disrespected, so disrespected, such a great basketball, like, whatever, shut up. Like, when UD is relevant, like, once every 10 years, we can, I guess we can talk about it. And then, of course, Cincinnati. And I grew up as a Cincinnati basketball fan, but I just, as much as I want to root for the program because I like McConaughey and I just like the you know Cincinnati in general, um, God I hate Cincinnati fans. I hate them so much mm-hmm. because they have the biggest inferiority complex and they're just the worst. Like, Are they
0: better or worse than Xavier fans? Because that's a big rivalry down
1: there. Yeah, Xavier. Oh, and the Crosstown Shootout. I mean, Mark Titus actually wrote a really great article in Grantland about the Crosstown Shootout, which is a super local rivalry. It's one that used to get some play in the networks in the 90s when Huggins was there and whatnot. And there were some pretty cool rivalries between him and Thad Mata. But, like, I personally want to keep that, like, a Cincinnati thing. I don't want them to be, like, nationally known or anything. Because to me, that's kind of like... I don't know. That's like your favorite like indie movie or your favorite indie band like really big. Like you're you're like uh, I guess I'm nominally happy for them, but inside you're kind of like dying because yeah. you don't want other people to enjoy what you enjoy, and you don't want other people to be real crappy. Like I really like them; they're really great. They like shut up. You don't know. You don't know what it was like when Nick Van Exel and yeah. <laughs> <Like> all those <laughs> other what, what's the, I can't even remember. Like in the nineties, who's another? Who was the who was the big guy who broke his foot? I always forget.
0: Um I don't know he's, he's it's in my the mind, but I I remember though that those those Cincinnati Xavier matchups. I remember um kind of liked Xavier for a little while when Pete Gillen was there.
1: Yeah, I mean they um, and, and Xavier to be fair has had like David West, you know, they've had some interesting players who were, who were pretty fun to watch. So like I'm not I'm not going to hate on them either. It's just you know, it's a very it's re it's really weird how Fans of basketball from a very kind of rednecky part of the state can get super elitist and snobby and like, <laughs> oh, well, our team is so clearly better than yours. <laughs> when they're like, you know. <laughs> like drinking beer in the ba- the beds of their trucks like I'm going – And you go a
0: few, like, and got, uh, a few miles south and you've got a few miles and you got Lexington, Kentucky. That's so, what I'm saying. You know. It's
1: really weird. <laughs> it's just I don't want them to have actual success. I just want them to have local success, which I can enjoy and then, you know, ignore when Ohio State's on. So that's that's how I feel about that. All right. So does anybody beat Kentucky? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, You know, we were talking about this 538, right? Like that – I think that metric that they had up or whatever gave them like a 40% chance of winning it, which is really freaking funny in a 64-team field. Um, Yeah. And the prop bet, I mean, is like, will they ever trail by more than five and
0: a half points at any point in the entire tournament? Holy cow. I
1: mean, look, they came close to losing a couple (laughs) games this year, to be fair. And to be even more fair, they played in the SEC, which is basically a garbage basketball conference. So... I You could make the claim that they have not played against great competition for the better part of the year, and maybe because of that, not to necessarily lessen how good they are, but the fact that they just may not be prepared for really stiff opponents going into it uh, could say that, yeah, I mean, they they got a chance of, of blowing it or losing. I think they're definitely Final Four bound. I just think the Final Four matchups are going to be incredibly interesting. I think they got to be the odds-on favorite, right? Like, I, I think, mm-hmm. you know... More likely than not, they're going to be there, at least in the championship game. But I think somebody could knock them out. I don't know. How do you, How are you feeling on that?
0: Well, I would like somebody to knock them out because I would lo- I just like to watch Big Blue Nation um, burn, basically. <laughs> you know, my grandma's
1: um, I, a Big Blue Nation. How dare you?
0: I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, I just find them very obnoxious uh, on the Internet. And it's interesting that they found a way to actually operate computers uh, because they just don't seem that bright, some of them. But, um
1: there's a lot you know, of, there's definitely a lot of like Walmart Kentucky fans. There's a lot of people yeah. who really love Kentucky who never went there. I do have a friend though, actually, who went to UK and he could not care less about basketball in any. way. He hates sports so much, which I find really funny, actually. But so you know,
0: I don't I mean, even I, hate I'd them because like like
1: Calipari. Sports. I mean, I, it's,
0: I mean, I, yeah, I don't like Calipari, but I don't hate them because of Calipari. I, I've basically disliked them ever since Derek Anderson transferred and went there. Yeah. So um, that's a long time ago and that's a long time to, to carry a little bit of a grudge. But I'm, I'm Italian and we invented vendettas. So. Yeah.
1: And sports fans, I mean, that's how, you know, <laughs> that, that's basically all sports fans do is just carry irrationally ridiculous grudges for incredibly long periods of time. So I, I think you're doing it right.
0: All right, enough about basketball. Uh, we're bringing in Matt Finkus for Finkus on Football because uh, after spring break, it's it's serious, serious spring ball time. That's right. Matt, how you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing good. There's basketball being played? I didn't know. I, I'm, I'm watching. <laughs> not, I'm waiting for spring ball.
0: Not so you'd notice uh, in Columbus, but yeah, I guess there is a little bit of basketball going on. But I want to talk about football, Matt, and I want to talk about what the mindset of a player is going into spring ball and and you know, what is it like from the end of the bowl season to the beginning of spring practice?
2: Well, um I guess it, it really depends on um on where you are kind of in the pecking order for, for the guys who are looking to, you know, break in to, 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 to be that starter. Uh, I mean, this is a crucial time. I mean, especially under Urban Meyer and it was kind of the same way under Cooper, you know, you, you, you earned a lot of uh, a lot of chips in the spring. Um, for the guys that are set um yeah, there there might be some uh, some install and stuff that's going on, or maybe expanding on the on the current system a little bit, whether it's offensively or defensively, just trying to stay sharp. Um, but spring is is really a time for those guys who are competing for a spot to to step up and compete for a spot. I mean, it, it's time for for Joey Bosa to to kind of hone his skill. But it's also, I mean, you don't want a guy getting hurt in spring practice. And so you're not going to put those guys out there, uh, you know, at a detriment to them. And that's why I think that this spring is going to be a lot different than a lot of Urban Meyer's other springs, because there aren't very many competitive spots out there. I mean, if you look at the team that's coming back from last year, a lot of the spots are, are, are pretty solid, and I mean, even in the offensive line, I think that you know they, they know who they want to come in and, and replace there. So, so a lot of the, those spots are, are pretty solid. You know, the the one spot that everyone wants to talk about with a quarterback position isn't going to be a battle because only one guy is going to be um, in there right. who's able to go. Uh, I mean, and that's not to, to slight Stephen Collier at all, but, but, I mean, that's that's the reality of the situation, the three-headed monster that, that would be. You know, I mean, this, if Braxton was healthy, you know, this would be an exciting time because, you know, if he was going to switch positions, this is where you'd see him getting reps in the spring. You know, you, you would see that kind of change of pace or, or – or or him moving around a little bit. So um, for for the most part, I I think this spring is going to be different than a, than a lot of springs for Urban Meyer, just because, you know, aside from uh, the wide out positions you know, the, the corner uh, you know, one defensive lineman, I think, you know, yeah, you're losing a middle linebacker, but I think we all know that Raquan McMillan has that one pretty, pretty locked up as far as uh, the middle linebacker spot. So the competition for starting spots uh, isn't going to be there, uh, so so they're going to have to guard it. You know, I mean, and, and I know Urban and, and being over at the facility the couple times that I have been, you know, they're very aware of the complacency factor of of, yes we've won a championship and and now what so you you might see a little bit of a different attitude and and this is a little bit uncharted territory for everybody but you know focusing on the older guys of not being complacent and then you know you're looking at some of those battles that are going to be taking place but a lot of the battles you know that are going to be interesting to, to see are going to be coming you know who's going to be the back, who's going to be Ezekiel Elliott's backup you know i mean is it going to be Curtis Samuel i mean is that the guy who they're going to have in there you know who are going to be the guys on the defensive line that you're going to be able to roll through you know is Rashad Frazier going to finally break through and and some of those kind of things guys on the inside as well you know who is going to be the that 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 other linebacker i mean i think that we we're going to have three good ones uh in in Perry and Lee and Raquan McMillan who's going to be those next level guys who are going to be there to step up you know who are going to be the the defensive backs who are going to step in and and, you know you got to replace duran grant and and so who are those guys going to be or who those next level guys going to be and that's where a lot of those young guys are going to get a lot of snaps
1: so with that said i mean what is the biggest position battle to look at then i mean if, if you're like as an outside observer like who are you really concentrating on to see who might make some noise in the spring
2: you know, I think that it's going to be really the focus is going to be kind of where it was the last couple springs. So maybe it's not that different. I think that you've got to look at wide receivers. You know, you're, you're losing Evan Spencer. You're losing Devin Smith. Um, and, and, yeah, there's a lot of guys there with a lot of young talent. Uh, where does that shake out? I mean, does does a Dontre Wilson move? all the way to the outside and, you know, and and let Jalen Marshall flourish in that, uh, you know, that, that hybrid role. So those are the questions I think that that are really most pressing and that are going to get the most attention. You know, is it going to be Michael Thomas? Is it going to be, you know, who are going to be those guys on the outside that are going to replace the the big yards that Devin Smith had and the consistency that Evan Spencer had? I mean, who's going to be that guy. Who's going to be 17 yards downfield getting a block, you know, or, or, you know as versatile as Evan Spencer was in many different facets of the game. So I think that's going to be the most uh hotly contested and the most interesting battle. And again, you know, where where does Dontre Wilson fit in to this puzzle? You know, I mean, a kid with so much potential coming in and you heard so much about him, maybe a victim of that a little bit and uh you know, maybe overhyped by the by the media and maybe by the coaching staff too. Uh and quite possibly not have lived up to, to all that game-breaking, you know, superstar potential. Do you move him all the way to the outside? You know, he got a lot of snaps at wide receiver. Can he polish up that route running? Can he work on getting off press coverage on the outside if he's a number one wide receiver or, or, or the X or the Y, or I'm sorry, X or Z. So, so those are the things that I think I'm going to be looking for most this the spring.
0: Matt, what about the, you know, there's a couple new coaches coming in, uh, you know, running backs and co-offensive coordinator, uh, how about you know getting the guys used to these new coaches and and how how does that fit in? Did you have to go through that when you were a player?
2: Um, well, you know, I mean, in the my going into my senior year, we had a a little bit of an overhaul. Our defensive coordinator Bill Young left and went to Oklahoma, and Fred Puggets took over, and we really kind of overhauled the defense. Now, I guess the bad thing was, aside from my freshman going into sophomore year. I I never participated in spring practice because I was always coming off of an injury of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um. So so I didn't have to kind of experience it firsthand. I think offensively though, when you look at uh, at, at what's going to be happening, you know, I mean, a lot of credit goes to Tom Herman and, and deservedly so for the quarterbacks. But the offense and the offensive scheme is is Urban Meyer. I mean, it, it, it's always been Urban Meyer. I mean, it's 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 not that far removed from what we we saw with Trestle. <clears throat> You know, where the head coach is the de facto offensive coordinator. Uh, so I, I think with the with the coaching changes that are happening on the offensive side, with the quarterback coach and the running back coach, you know, Urban wouldn't be bringing those guys in if he didn't have them on board with what he wanted to teach and what he wanted to do, and they weren't integrated into the into the system already. So I, I feel pretty confident that uh, that those coaching changes shouldn't really become an issue because you know, I mean, Urban. He can, he has a, a, that controlling interest in the offensive side of the football. I mean, that's what he does. He's admitted it before that that that's his uh, his baby, so to speak. And so I I just think that that's going to be uh, a smooth transition. And I think that the big thing that Buckeye fans can really look forward to is that Ed Warner is still here. Uh, you know, we were talking, I think, uh, on on this podcast about, you know, the transition and Tom Herman leaving and all that stuff that was leading up to the national championship game. And, you know, I remember people asking me, you know, what do you think about Tom Herman? I said that, you know, he's a great coach. He's going to be missed. But if you gave me the choice between losing Ed Warner and Tom Herman – I'm going to, I want to keep Ed Herman or Ed Warner every single time. I I think that he is an outstanding offensive line coach. I am selfishly happy that he didn't get the Kansas head coaching job. And I I think that that's a probably a good career move for him out there anyway. I mean, that's, that's just a black hole. Uh, I mean, you know, anyone who goes out there, uh, just, you you can't win out there. I mean, it's 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 just it's not going to happen. Uh, the, the big fat guy that was there that actually won some games and then all of a sudden <laughs> fired him. What a horrible move! I mean, I'm not talking about Charlie Weiss either. Uh, but <laughs> Mark Mangino. Yeah, Mark Mangino. I mean, you know, you you finally got a guy who's able to win at a playing football at a school like Kansas, and you know he yells at some kids on the field and you fire him. I mean, how dumb is that? But. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's going to be the the saving grace for Ohio State. You know, you get that offensive line back, four or five starters back. You've got Ezekiel Elliott back. You know, th- those are things that you can really hang your hat on. And and I think that that the coaching staff has to has to really be careful um, of going into next season and getting into the mode. Almost like they were with Braxton Miller in 2013, where the entire offense was him. Everything ran through him. In the pinch, we go to him. You know, that's that was the issue. I think one of the things that that really opened up the offense and why it ran so well with J.T. Barrett at the helm was that the entire system was being used: the play action, the running game, you know, the the jet sweeps, the the short passes, the long passing game. And, and you saw a little bit of leaning on. Uh, on Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, in the last three games where he had over 200 yards in each game, but but I think that there's a there's a real concern there, and and the the coaching staff needs to keep an eye on not falling back into that trap in a different way, not falling into the we have Braxton Miller and, and everything is going to be okay. You can't get into the we have Ezekiel Elliott and everything is going to be okay because eventually someone is going to be able to, to, to come in and, and sit eight in a box or, or nine in the box and, and try to load right. up. And, and eventually you're going to run into corners who can match up with your wide receivers. And, you know, Wisconsin didn't have that. Uh, Alabama didn't have that. Their, their secondary was really down this year and had burn, been burned a lot of times. And Oregon was just kind of a, you know, it was a turtle flailing on its back at that, you know, <laughs> in, the nas- in that national championship game. But, but you know, you've got to be able to prepare for that. You've got to be ready to run into um, to, to a Virginia Tech again. Both of those corners were young guys who are going to be back, and they were really, really good last year. And that first game out of the block in, in, in Blacksburg and, and a Monday night, and, yeah, you've got the revenge factor and everything. But you're running into a really young Virginia Tech team that was lo- young last year and had an, ha- had a bad year, and this is one of the wins that they can hang their hats on. And now you got the national champs coming back into your house on a Monday night, you know, I mean, that, that that's a game that I think uh, a lot of people are chalking up as, you know, Ohio State's going to get revenge in that game, but I'll tell you what, I, I think Virginia Tech is going to come to play, and yes, the offensive line is going to be a lot better and, and hopefully able to pick up those those blitzes a lot better than they did before, but just, I, you know, if you get a team that walks nine down into the box and just, or eight down in the box and says, we can match up with you on the outside, you've got to be able to make sure that you can win those one-on-one battles on the outside.
1: Right. Uh, one of the things that I want to ask you is, you know, there's there's so many things that are up in the air and whatnot. What is the biggest thing that the coaching staff needs to focus on uh, this spring? You know, just to, to try to get the team where they want it to be, you know, starting in fall camp in the in the late summer there.
2: I think it's just attitude. I really do. I think that, you know, this is a uh, this is a young group of guys, you know. I mean the, the well, I mean they're they're aging and they're older now, but but this is a group who has come a long way in a short amount of time. You know, I mean, this is the, these guys weren't around and, you know, they don't know the, I guess, the trestle success maybe. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they saw it when they were growing up. But, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys were, were there in 2011 or saw the 2011 season and then the 2012 season where, yeah, it was an undefeated season, uh, but but you didn't go anywhere. And then the disappointment of 2013 where you played, you know, two big games and you lost them both. So I think the challenge for the coaching staff and how they need to prepare this team is not letting this national championship, so to speak, uh, think that you're – let you think that you're Alabama all of a sudden. You know, this this was one national championship, and Alabama is a school who has proven that they can get there and do this a lot. And <laughs> Ohio State doesn't have that credit yet. And, and and I think that that's what you need to to really focus on. You need to drill that home. That just because we won, we had a good run there, and we won the national championship. And I mean, and it surprised you know not just the the Ohio State fans. But it surprised the coaching staff. It surprised Urban Meyer. You no, know, I mean, this was a run that I think that they knew, you know, somewhere that they could make. But I think that, that this was an improbable run from, from everybody. I mean, everyone was a little taken aback by this. I mean, no one would have predicted a 59 to nothing beating of Wisconsin. No one would have I mean, predicted, you know, I mean, basically, it, it should have been a three touchdown win over Alabama. And, and no one would have predicted, you know, turning the ball for, over four times in the first half and then still beating. An Oregon team, you know, by, by you know, what should have been, a, a, again, a 21 or 28-point victory. You know, that wasn't something that anyone would have predicted. So I think that the, the real key here is to not fall into the complacency thinking that, you know, I mean, Urban Meyer has even said, you know, Alabama is the – that is the pinnacle. That's where we want to be. That's the program we want to be. That's who we need to knock off. Just because you beat them in one game and we won the national title, I don't think you can say, well, okay, we've made it. We're here yet. No, you got to keep doing it because that's what Alabama does. They keep doing it. They keep coming back year after year, and they're the team that with the target on their back that everyone thinks that they have to beat year in and year out. I don't know if Ohio State is there yet. And I think that's what the coaching staff really needs to enforce.
0: All right. Well, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about this as we get closer to the spring game, uh, but I think it's time to turn our attention to Ask Us Anything.
2: Yeah. Right. Fired up. <laughs>
0: And, you know, speaking of uh, Alabama, our first uh, – well, before I we get to the first question, I want to have Johnny tell everybody how they can ask us anything.
1: Uh, you can ask us anything in any number of ways. You can send us a tweet on the Twitters, at uh, 11dubcast, or you can send us an email, dubcast at 11warriors.com. Yes.
0: And uh, now we get into a question from Nick, who is uh, known as Shark versus Ghost on uh, the Twitters. It's pretty good. Which is an awesome, awesome handle. Uh, he's uh, He's – He was on his uh, trip to Washington, and uh, his wife was asking why he wasn't wearing any Ohio State gear to troll the locals. And he said it never really occurred to him to troll the people of Oregon, but he would not have missed the opportunity if it had been through Alabama, uh, which spurred his thought that everybody remembers 1980 U.S. men's hockey team for having defeated the Soviet Union. What most people forget is that the team had to beat Finland two days later to get the gold medal. What he's getting at is... Is Alabama the Soviet Union? Will future generations of Buckeye fans remember the <laughs> Oregon game as any more than a footnote to the 2014 championship? What do you guys think? That's
1: interesting.
2: You know, uh, I, I, I I see the similarities. Um, I mean, I, and I think that they're obvious. But I think that um, you know, just because the national championship is the national championship, and you know, I, I don't think anyone is going to you know not remember. That national championship game and, and and beating Oregon, I mean, I I think that I see the similarities, but I would I would consider that kind of a USA Russia light. I, I don't think it's to that <laughs> stature. Yeah, I mean, just because you know, I mean, obviously the you know the the teams were pretty evenly matched. I, I think if you go back and look at, at at Alabama and Ohio State, the teams were pretty right. evenly matched, and you go back and look at that you know USA Russia. Teams were not evenly matched. I mean, you had <laughs> no. you had you know grown men. I mean, it, it's basically like taking a college team and going to go play you know the the, the Stanley Cup champs. I mean, right. that's that's basically what USA Russia was. Now, if you yeah. took Ohio State and they went out and beat you know the, the New England Patriots, that's USA <laughs> Russia. I mean, that, that's the, the kind of magnitude that that was. Yeah, oh, I'd say, like to do that. I would That'd say be fun. I think that.
1: First of all, Alabama didn't have like ten thousand nukes pointed at Ohio, which I think kind of lessens the the hey, drama. Hey, 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 you never
2: know. <laughs> well,
1: that's true. I mean, yeah, they they you know they kind of have a space program a little bit. Um, but what I would say is, I, I think a big part of the reason why right now Ohio State fans are like so hype over the the Alabama game is because of this. You know, the SEC is so great, the May Ten sucks, blah blah blah. Let's say in 10 years there's relative parity between the two conferences. I don't know. Let's say the Big Ten gets significantly better. SEC slides a little bit. People might forget that situation, which is making us so happy about beating the SEC. And I I think the championship, you know, you see that championship hanging from the banners or on the side of a wall or, like, people talk about it. That's going to be what matters in the end, I think. And I I don't think that – the Alabama. I mean, and granted, I, I freaking love that. I probably watch the Alabama game more than I've I've watched the championship game. But I think that'll fade eventually, and then they'll remember the championship.
0: Yeah, for me, it's like I'm, I remember the entire postseason as like a hat trick of taking our third string quarterback and beating the three Heisman Trophy finalists. That's always going to be like stuck in my mind. Yeah. It's like crushed Wisconsin and Melvin Gordon. You know, basically, you know. Spotted Alabama a big lead and then came back and beat them. And uh, and their awesome wide receiver, Mari Cooper, and then shut down, for the most part, Marcus Mariota. He had a couple big plays, but other than that, um, he ended up getting his yards, but really wasn't a big factor if you, know, if you watch that game. So that's what I'm going to take away from it. But I, I love the analogy, Nick, and thanks for writing.
2: Uh, Gregory Metz. The, the one other thing, though, that you, you do have to remember, maybe they don't have nukes in Alabama. But <laughs> if if you look at their fan base... Those guys can cook up some meth and you don't know what kind of chemical <laughs> dirty bombs they could be that they could be smuggling that's into true. Ohio in in the back of a beat up pickup truck. Yeah, you know what? Uh, we should never
1: underestimate the uh the offensive like firepower of a crazy backwoods Alabamian, you know, who could just cook up some stuff at a trailer or something like that. that's that's a good point. I don't want to offend those people yeah, or make
0: them
2: Exactly. Up. But what's not
0: yeah, next thing you know, you got thousands of bass boats coming up the Mississippi, and <laughs> you don't want that. You just don't. You don't want that. Right. Um, so Gregory Metz, uh, one of our uh, habitual writers, uh, writes in and asks some questions. He says, "Number one, who is our greatest fictional president?
2: <laughs> our oh, greatest wow. fictional president, man. For I don't know. What me, do you think? For me, um, it's it's going to be tough." Um, the State Farm guy, or no, the, the Nationwide Insurance guy who was the president in twenty four. There we go. Uh, I mean, that guy was. I mean, he was a beast. I mean, and, and <laughs> if, if you're ordering Jack Bauer around to go kill people, that's the, that's the president I want. I mean, I, I yeah. don't want the you know the Michael Douglas who's dating you know some other you know kooky girl on the side, some some <laughs> lobbyist or you know. I, mean, I, I I don't need that. I don't need you know uh, you know. Morgan Freeman and there's an asteroid. I need somebody who's going to send Jack Bauer out to go to kill terrorists. And that guy is the nationwide guy from 24.
1: Yeah, I would say President David Palmer was is pretty high up there. On there you go, uh, David 22. Palmer. Yeah. Uh, I was. It's sad the way he went out, but I got to tell you something. That that kicked started probably the best season of 24. Season five, we get shot in the face. I was like, what? And then yeah, that was that was pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> man, that one's that's a good one. I. Maybe, I can't remember his name, but from Idiocracy, where it was basically Terry Crews, like, with his shirt off and, like, driving. <laughs> you, know, down, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm okay with him being president, too. Um, I
2: think it was president, I, like, like Hector Camacho Gomez or something yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, correct. right. So I think as long as you can drink that, uh, you know, basically have Gatorade every day. And, I, I just you know, I, I'd say he's probably, he's probably pretty good, too.
2: Bro- Bro- has yeah. got He's got, got, got what plants need. That's
1: right. Uh, um,
2: so yeah, David right. Palmer's high up
1: there. Yeah, Brondo, swollen uh, president there is pretty good, too. So, I'm surprised,
0: Johnny, you didn't go with the Simpsons movie. I was elected to lead, no. not to read.
1: No, I, Simpsons, <laughs> man, it's a little, it's a little too... Unless, unless you want the fictional version of George H.W. Bush, who was in The Simpsons, which... Pretty pretty good. Basically uh the Mr. Wilson version of uh The Simpsons. Or... I'm gonna go
0: with um I'm gonna go with Harrison Ford in Air Force oh, One. It's really good. Uh, he he took he took he took out the terrorists himself. He didn't have to send anybody after him. So he did. Uh, that, was, that
2: was pretty impressive. Uh, I'll
0: go with and, I'll go with him. I can't remember his name in the movie, but uh he was the you president. Could, you could just call him Han Solo
2: or Indiana Jones. Yeah, there oh, you can. go. <laughs>
0: Alright, uh number two, since we all know that Jim Tressel is the president of the Shadow Government based out of Denver's airport, <laughs> what what OSU coach besides him in any sport would make the best president in scenario one, the movie Independence Day, scenario two, the movie Air Force One. Oh God.
2: Uh well let's see. Independence day. I would have to go with um I mean, I, I think you go Urban Meyer for Independence Day. And, and, and that, he, he's, you know, he's a leader. I don't know if he can fly a plane or not.
1: But That's what I was to say. Like, he's got to blow up some aliens at a plane. He's
2: going to do that. Yeah, he's, he, he's young. He's virile. I think he can, you know, get into the action and, and, and really make some tough decisions. Uh, for the, the, the other one on Air Force One, no question, Tom Ryan. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, the guy, guy's <laughs> an Iowa wrestler. I mean, I he <laughs> someone fighting terrorists on a plane by himself, that's who you want, Tom Ryan.
1: Yeah, i I got to tell you something. If you can't envision Woody Hayes throwing a terrorist out of the back of a plane, like that uh, – look, I love Harrison Ford, <laughs> but I feel like that would improve that movie 5,000%. <laughs> um, man, Independence – you know what? I'm going to go with you on Urban Meyer. I think, I think that's appropriate. I think you could give a very rousing speech on the 4th of July about how it's our Independence Day – and then, yeah, I, I think he could do that. I think that would work out pretty well. I'm
0: gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Woody with Independence Day because he's he's you know a historian of, of you know uh, military history, so True. he would know how to combat those aliens. <laughs> and he's also uh, quite the quite the speech maker. Yeah. And for Air Force One, I'm gonna go with Coach Mick.
2: Oh, nice. Oh, okay. Now, see, I didn't know we could go retro like dead people coaches or, or, or past coaches, <laughs> or, or I would have went with Woody for, uh, for, for Independence Day because he was in the military at some point, and I'm that's pretty right. sure it, he would he figure out Jack how to fly a plane. Days. Yeah, he, he would, even if he never flew a plane, he would figure out how to fly a plane. I mean, that's just the kind of guy he is.
1: That's right. And
2: then in, instead of Tom Ryan, I think I would go with the Olympian Russ Ellickson, still a wrestling Oops. coach, as nice. the guy on Air Force One. There you go. Yeah. Uh,
0: so Gregory Gregory's third question is for Johnny. He says Johnny, what are your what what are your favorite obscure dinosaur
1: facts? Oh my God. Okay. Favorite obscure dinosaur <laughs> facts. All right. Well, this one isn't super obscure, but I like the fact that Stegosaurus had a secondary like kind of nerve cluster in its tail that helped control it, which I think is like you know like its tail could just kind of do whatever it wants. I think it's kind of neat. Um, I think. Scientists are starting to come along to this where, you know, more and more dinosaurs had feathers, which is really funny to me because, you know, you watch Jurassic Park and when you're a kid, you envision these giant, terrible, horrible, terrible lizards, which is actually what T-Rex means. But, like, I just think it's really funny to envision them as basically giant chickens. Um, And there's also (laughs) a theory. The third thing that I want to say is that there is a theory that says, you know, we base a lot of our images of dinosaurs um, and then we – put them in flesh and we we draw pictures of them based basically on what their skeletons look like, which is actually Mm -hmm. a really crappy way to visualize animals, right? Like if you visualize animals just based on what their skeletons look like, they look entirely different. If you take a dog, for example, and just basically put like like stretch flesh or skin over the skeletal structure, it looks like a freaking alien. It looks terrifying. But some dinosaurs might have had like big fleshy necks or, like, big giant, like, I don't know, like, bingo wings on their arms, or something ridiculous. So dinosaurs might have looked actually vastly different than the way we envision them today, and I think it's really funny because it almost universally makes them look stupider. And, <laughs> and I, like, I really enjoy that. Like, I like the idea of, like, a dinosaur with, like, a giant, like, goofy crest on top just wobbling around as it's running after people. So, yeah, I don't know. Those are my, those are my obscure dinosaur facts. Um, also, right. uh, the time periods for dinosaurs that we envision we, we tend to compress them which is really stupid because uh the tyrannosaurus rex for example which lived in the late cretaceous period it's actually it lived closer to us than it lived to stegosaurus right because that's how long the time period was for dinosaurs on earth like stegosaurus and t-rex are separated by a longer period of time than t-rex and humans are which is nuts but that's how that's that's. so
2: those are my facts that's all i got
0: ah so we totally got lied to and landed of the lost we
1: did yeah i'm sorry
2: i, I got to admit uh, but, to you that I uh, I started tuning out when you said secondary nerve question. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so interesting.
1: Uh,
0: okay, well there you go. So Andrew Heyer has a question. I'm, I'm not really sure what he means, so it's, this is going to be a broad thing, I think. <laughs> okay. Favorite... Uh, it says, it says favorite non-OSU. I think it's supposed to be March Madness moments. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing he means favorite. Are non- there are
2: there any OSU March Madness moments that? that yeah, era? I mean, I wasn't I wasn't born in the '50s, so I don't know that I really remember too many. Times. I, don't, I don't remember, you know, the Jerry Lucas or the, that's right. what it was. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wasn't alive then. Yeah.
0: I mean, Non-OSU March Madness <laughs> moments. I I don't know because you know. I kind of tune out a little bit when Ohio State gets knocked out. I, I, I guess any time Michigan gets knocked out is, or Indiana gets knocked out is my favorite non-OSU March Madness moments.
2: Well, if you hate Michigan, then you got to put up there uh, Chris Weber calling the uh, the oh, phantom yes. timeout to lose the yes, championship. That,
0: that was that was beautiful. Yeah, I
2: mean, if if you don't like Michigan, then, then that I guess would would, would get you going. Um, you know, and, and I watched the I hate Christian Christian Leighton or thirty for thirty the other night. I actually don't. <laughs> I don't mind Christian Leitner that much. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, his shot or against... Or do I? Was it Kentucky, I think, that he hit the shot against in the NCAA tournament, the semifinals to win? Uh um, right. It was either Kentucky or North Carolina. I forget who it was. But, you know, I mean, that, that moment is still played, you know, over and over oh, yeah. and over and over again. That's got to be one of the most iconic moments ever.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, and tell you what, <laughs> if we are going to go with Ohio State, I think... Um, the game against Xavier when they made the Final Four run with Greg Oden and Conley and all them, that was nuts. Uh, Greg Oden's, like, last second – I think it was against Tennessee, but his, like, last second block where he just flew out of nowhere. and It was, like, the most athletic thing I've ever seen anyone that tall do. It was incredible. Um, overall, though, I love – like, you know, we talked about this a little earlier. I love VCU. I think Shaka Smart is awesome. And I think the run that they made to the Final Four was one of the most hilarious things I've ever – like, there was no – Logical reason for them to do any of what they were doing in the tournament, but they were just blowing teams up with their their uh, offense and defense. It was just it was a lot of fun to watch. I really love watching underdogs like that, kind of you know take over games. And hopefully they're not going to have that much success this year. But yeah, yeah. probably the
2: best name in college basketball, Shaka Smart.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. That's it. he's just a cool dude and he earns that name. So I just yeah, I'm a big fan of his.
0: Yeah, and also that that last second uh, put back by NC State was pretty amazing too. Oh yeah. Uh, To get uh, Jim Valvano his his championship. So uh, thank you, Andrew, and and everybody who uh, sent us questions for Ask Us Anything. You can do that every week. And at 11dubcast is our Twitter, or you can hit us up at dubcast at 11warriors.com. And with that, we're going to bid uh, a big farewell to our friend Matt Finkus, Finkus on football. Thanks so much, Matt, for being with us. Uh, Appreciate it. We're going to hit you up again probably around the spring game.
2: Sounds good, guys. Enjoy the uh, the madness that is March. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we right. will. Have a good right. night. We'll see you guys. So I think it's about time to wrap up this particular edition of the Eleven Dubcast, Johnny. But before we go, I, I will have a question for you. Okay. I would love to and, um, and and just to let our listeners know that after, uh, you know, we, we're we going to go weekly as long as Ohio State goes uh, through the tournament. And then after the tournament's over, we'll do a show. And then we're going to go to our monthly summer schedules just to let everybody know. That's right. Uh, if you don't see us, you know, we get eliminated. You hear a, a dubcast. Don't write to us the next week saying, where's the dubcast? Because there won't be a dubcast. I don't
1: know if that's ever happened, but, yes, please don't do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not sure they can write in that tone of voice. Um. Anyway, Johnny, my question for you is this: Okay. Uh, let's say your your girlfriend is uh, is really good to you, and she, she which I know <laughs> That's she is
1: hypothetically assumed. It.
0: Yes, I, I know. I know that she's, she's great. good to you. Awesome. But let's say let's say she somehow comes into untold wealth and decides to, for your birthday, you get Thad Mata for the day. You can, wow! Like 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 on the toy, you know, like on the Richard Pryor movie. You and, and Thad get to hang out all day. What do you guys What do? you guys
1: do? Uh, me and Thad Mata? I yeah. think, you know, I think we got to kind of go out on the town a little bit. And, you know, I want to do... Here's the thing with Thad Mata. Like, I feel like Thad Mata would be a guy that's really fun to hang out and just, like, do dumb stuff with. Not Like, I don't want to be a baller. I don't want to be a shot caller. I don't need to, like, you know, go out and do a lot of crazy, like, cool dude stuff. I want to go out and just, like... I don't know. I want to people watch. I want to make fun of people. I want to, like, you know, ding-dong ditch. I just want to do all the dumb, childish pranks with that guy that I possibly can because I think he would be a blast. Like, I think it would be hilarious just to, you know, poop on people's porches and, like, you know, I mean, I guess, or lay, leave a flaming poop bag. I actually don't know how it works, Michael. I just, <laughs> Poop's involved somehow. I'll poop on a guy's porch. It's fine. Um, but what I'm saying is that I just want to have all the childish fun that you would have as a child, but with that model, and I think that would be very interesting for me. What would you? Yeah, think? Um, top I that. think <laughs> I don't think I could top that, but I I, I think it would be pretty
0: boring. I think we'd probably just like hang out in a bar or a restaurant, and I would just be like, so so tell me everything about Greg Oden, and tell me everything about Mark Titus and your time there, and I would just be like picking his brain about everything, and maybe like throwing a couple videos on and going, what the hell were you thinking here? You know, that kind of thing. And, and, uh, and I would, I would ask him, does, does, does uh, Amir Williams really hate playing basketball? I mean, what's the deal with him? Um, yeah. I would just pick his brain. I think that's what I would do. I would just talk to him. Cause I mean, from all, all I've heard, he's a funny dude and, um, you know, very, very knowledgeable, obviously. And people that have you know, spend any amount of time with him, say he's just a great person to talk to. So I would probably just, uh, talk to his blue in the face. You know all
1: what else? You know what else I would do? I'd make a, I'd make a DVD with like, I don't know, a bunch of Indiana losses on it. And we would just make fun of Tom Crane for like 24 hours straight. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> just like every pouty face that he makes and just watch him like die of laughter every time they lose. Like that would be, uh, sweet. I would love that.
0: Oh man. It would just
1: be great to just hang out with the guy and just say,
0: so seriously, is, uh, Is Bo Ryan a dick or what? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes. To get the lowdown, you Mm -hmm. know, just to get the lowdown would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, But that's uh, going to do it, Johnny. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll we'll see what happens this weekend. If we can get by BCU, then you got Arizona. If you get by Arizona, you're in a sweet 16. Yay. Yay. And you've already exceeded expectations. Um, But, uh, you know, hey, I'm just going to take a cautiously optimistic view and say, you know, If you get by one game, everything else after that is house money. So uh, we'll see how it goes. They call it March Madness for a reason, you know?
1: That's right, because we all go a little insane, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: This crazy thing happens.
1: That's right. Uh, Okay, so until
0: we find out what happens next week, uh, I'm Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. Peace out, everybody.
1: Bye.